So the next time you're hiking in the woods and you hear a roar in the distance, it may not be what you think it is, because beware, the Morphodilians walk among us. Oh, that, that was pretty spooky, Maddie. Uh, I, I've never heard of the Morphodilians before. Where did you hear about them? It's just sort of a family legend. It got told to me on a camping trip when I was younger. On a night just like this. Okay, my turn. I have a story for you. All right, let, let me just fill up my drink and settle in. Hold on one second. Okay, this story is all about secrets, hiding in plain sight, and an ancient order. Would you say it's a fraternal order? <laughs> yes, very much so. So get this. They're a secret society that is centuries old, and you can only identify them from a couple different things. They will always be seen ordering pineapple juice in restaurants. Weird, not orange juice? And you will always catch them applying chapstick constantly. They are known as... <gasps> what was that? I don't know. Hello? Hello? Who's there? Oh, God. What is it? It must be some horrible rabid animal or something. Oh, oh, hey, guys. <laughs> Sorry I'm late. Oh, producer Michael, you scared the shit out of us. Oh, my bad. Ugh, it's episode 40. Camping is terrifying. Candyman. 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 Be afraid. Be very afraid. We have some bad hombres here, and we're gonna get them out. Bing bing bong bong bing bing bing. I love China. Hi, I'm Jackie. Wanna play? I just want them to suffer. I joined Donald Trump on the Republican ticket because I believe he has the right leadership and the right vision to make America great again. Since 2017, a majority of Democrats turned into alt-left radical psychos. We'll get back to them later. I will build a great, great wall. I don't like them putting chemicals in the water. They turn the freaking frogs gay. Do you understand We want every American child to have access to pristine outdoor spaces. When young Americans experience the breathtaking beauty of the Grand Canyon, when their eyes widen in amazement as old faithful bursts into the sky, when they gaze upon Yosemites, Yosemites, towering sequoias. Welcome to another episode of Friday the 13th Horror Podcast. I'm Maddie. And I'm Andrew. And this is the podcast where we talk all about horror. Horror in real life and horror in the media, which could be TV, films, books, whatever. Anything that's terrifying and scary and gets into you. If you're new to our podcast, you can jump in at any time you want. You don't have to like go back to episode one, which was two years ago, because this is our 40th episode Woo! today, which is incredible. We never thought we would do more than 10. Look at us now, Mom. <laughs> um, so we've got a great show lined up for you today. It's all about 
camping. And this is especially fun for me and Andrew because we just went camping literally last weekend. Yes, literally the only thing we can do socially distant and kind of get a little <sighs> bit away from um, the city and away from our apartments is yeah. camping. And, you know, so we took good. our took four members of our corn team and uh, we went to Indiana and uh, just across the border, not too far into Indiana, yep. but <laughs> and just did some camping in the woods. We did some hiking in the woods. Uh-huh. At the uh, nation's newest national park. Oh, fun. Mm-hmm. So it was it was a good time. Uh, unfortunately, we had to pack up when it was raining. So that kind of sucked. On but, Sunday, though, yeah, at least. But, at, at least it was at the end of our trip yeah, yeah, and not yeah. during. Yeah, we had beautiful weather. I don't know if any great. of you uh, were out and about uh, with, with, you know, wearing your masks and socially distancing during Labor Day. You but, better be. Um, that was what we got to do, and it was it was a nice getaway uh, to just not be in the city um, where there's constant sirens and lawn work yeah. and everything all day long. Yeah, and you know, speaking of that, like just a quick COVID check in. I'll tell you, like for me, I am a thousand. Like our camping trip was so wonderful, yeah. and I really enjoyed being out there. And I'm, we had so much fun, and we just like you know we did all the silly camping shit that you wanted to do all the time, right? Yeah. When I got back to the city and when I had to hop into a really just probably the busiest week at work I've ever had, it uh, destroyed I, you. I, I, I feel destroyed. <laughs> like, you know, it's Saturday. You know, last night when I got done with work, I, I had a little happy hour with some friends on Zoom and I tipped those bottles back and I looked at my recycling bin this morning and I was like, was there a party? No, it was just me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, honestly, it's it's tough out there. Um it's this it's it's tough. Yeah. I'm super tired of this. And also today, which we're recording on um September twelfth right now, this is the six month full anniversary of when the pandemic like started for us. Like right? officially. Yeah, because uh it was uh March twelfth when we all got sent home from work. So six months of this, something that we thought would like we were like, oh, it'll like last a month. And yeah. then we were like, oh shit, it's actually going to be the rest of our fucking lives. <laughs> anyway, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. It's the kind of not a, there's no change. Same, I don't know. same It's, it's, it's a, kind of the same as me with you it's, in a way. It's getting to a point where, um, I don't know. It just feels like every week is the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like, uh, it's like fucking Groundhog Week. And I see it's funny because and I'm not pointing I'm not pointing fingers at anybody yeah. and I'm not trying to like shame anybody. Uh, but I do see a lot of people starting to like go on vacation and go travel. And I'm just like, just be careful. Just yeah. be careful. Like, I mean, uh, I just don't know how people could travel right now. Like, like I, I, and I don't I'm not either. talking. I'm not talking about like road trips or like going on day trip. I'm talking about like getting on a plane and yeah. going to like Mexico or, or like, I mean, or honestly, <laughs> I'm even talking about road trips. I mean, like, you know, we went to Indiana. That's like, it's like basically an hour from where we all live. Right. And we were really careful. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, luckily in the camp where we were, which is, it's part of Indiana Dunes National Park. And it's, it's a campground I've been to a lot in my, in my life. Everyone there was wearing a mask yep. when they weren't at their campsite. Nobody was being a dick about it. There were some weird people on a trail that we were on, but we were able to stay away from them. So, like, I can 100% say, like, we did that trip, like, safe. Yeah, I felt yeah, okay yeah. coming home. And, like, you know, you weren't calling people out. I will call people out. Like, if you are an asshole who is not wearing a mask and not traveling safely, you're a dick. I, I guess and I you're, wasn't. And you're, no, 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 no. I, I, I'm, I'm not trying to battle yeah. with you, but I'm just like, no, no, no you I wasn't, are a dick. Man. I really wasn't talking about that aspect of it. I was just like, wow, people are brave enough to like go somewhere right now. Or stupid enough. Like, I don't know. Or stupid enough. But I mean, I get it. Everyone wants to get out, but fuck. 
Anyways, camping. Get, camping. Get, get in the tent with us. We got some <laughs> stories to fucking share. Um, so one thing that really did cross my mind as I was thinking about this episode mm-hmm. was I was like, actually, what, when did camping start? Right. And it was weird. I, I had, I've never really thought about that question before. Like, when did people start to think like, you know what? Let's I go think, in the woods. <laughs> I think for this weekend, I'm going to spend some time recreating out in the wood. You know, yes. so I did a little digging, and I have some ev- I have some things to tell you. Cool. So first off, um, camping most the the term camping most likely comes from the military. If you think about like a military campaign against people, that first word or an encampment of soldiers, yeah, that's where the word camp and camping comes from. Interesting. And um, there some some interesting history about why it became popular in America is honestly probably because of the Civil War. And it wasn't until like about 1869, 1870, when camping actually did become a thing. Like recreational. Exactly. Before that, like, I mean, yeah. That's just how people lived. (laughs) I mean, people, people probably did it, I'm sure. But it wasn't thought of as a concept until this dude, William H.H. Murray, wrote this book called Adventures in Wilderness. He was a minister. He wrote, he just wrote a lot of stuff. And it was, and it's this whole book about like how he went camping and like how it, how it was and like some tips for you. Like one of his tips for like mosquitoes was to like create this like very long glove out of like cowhide and then also like make this mask out of like netting. And like I forget what he said. I think it might be in here somewhere, but he he said something like, and when you put on the mask, you will laugh in the face of all of those gnats. <laughs> it's really, really funny stuff. Um, but yeah, nobody had really camped for recreation until then, and until he published his book. And when his book got published, it was reviewed in like the Atlantic Monthly. It was reviewed in the it was reviewed in um Oh, I forget the other one. Like Harper's Weekly. Yeah, yeah. All the the magazines that we still have, but they were there during... um, Like the start of it. Yeah, Yeah. exactly, right. Um, And I had a couple of things here. What what did he say? Um, So just a little bit about what he did say, camping in the Adirondacks. And the Adirondacks were one of the first places people camped for recreation because because it was where they they first had one of the train lines going. Oh, okay. And so... um, so he wrote this. Hop on that train and yeah, go to right? the Adirondacks. So he he wrote the guide, and he, you could hire a guide there for like two fifty a day. And he said, "From the summit of a mountain, I counted, as seen by my naked eye, forty four lakes gleaming amid the depths of the wilderness, like gems of purest ray, amid the folds of emerald colored velvet." Like this is like the sort of like romantic writing that was happening then, anyway. I mean, who wouldn't want to go yeah, see that, right? <laughs> Um, but he said that when he wanted to go camping, he wanted to leave the haunts of men where every sight and sound distracts his attention and checks the free exercises of his soul and amid the silence of the woods, hold communion with his maker. You should read more of his shit okay, because yeah. he also talks about like the food that you should take with you. He he advises you to make like basically like a 16 inch like, you know, diameter pancake. And he had fun eating around it. So he was like, oh, yeah, it's, it's actually more fun if you don't just, like, eat it, like, right away. You should what? just, like, you should, like, just, like nibble, nibble? <laughs> nibble around the edges. And then he talks about about fishing for trout. <laughs> and it's, I mean, you got to read it. I don't, I don't have the quote because I'm an idiot. What was the name of the book again? Uh, Adventures in Wilderness. Okay. Um, from 1869. 
And um, he talks about catching a trout, and he wants you to catch a big trout, and he wants you to eat of it, and he wants you to put it on a big shiny plate so that when you are through eating your trout, you can see your face in the plate, ah, and you will be very proud of yourself. So that's a little bit about William H. H. Murray, your new hero when it comes to the history <laughs> to of camping. camping. So now, what's your personal yep. history with camping? And, and, and oh, sure. uh, more around that, uh, what is your current relationship with? Like, it, do you like going? Is it like something you enjoy doing? Yes. So. so the first time I went camping was a disaster. It was with my father and my brother. I, I was in Boy Scouts. It was my first year in Boy Scouts. So I had graduated from Cub Scouts. Now I was a Boy Scout. And we went to Willow Slough in Indiana. I forget where it is exactly, but it's where Boy Scouts go camping. Sure. And um, it was not fun at all. <laughs> it rained a lot, I remember. We had a shitty small tent. We borrowed a lantern from my uh, then brother-in-law. It was probably it, like a kerosene lantern. Yeah, it yeah, yeah. broke. Oh, God. Like, it was just, and the food there was awful. I, I really did not like being a Boy Scout. Like, the boys were, they were just not for me. Um it was not fun, like, at all. It's funny because, like, I, I know we've talked about it before, but, like, where I grew up, like, being, like, a Cub Scout or a Boy Scout was, like, the nerdy thing to do. Yeah, sure. Like, I mean, it was for us, too. But, like, it sounds like you had a lot more people that were involved with it. Like, where I grew yeah. up, like, we were... So, I've talked about this before, but where I grew up, I literally grew up, like, in the woods. Yeah. So, like... We were like, we already know. Yeah, you how to, to do this. Yeah. Like, we don't need. Like for us, we had enough kids in like our area that we had two packs. It's mm-hmm. so, like a pack is like the larger group, and then a den is like your like you know whatever. Yeah. Um. So we had two packs. Pack fifty seven. That was me. And pack sixty nine. Probably the pack I should have been in. You Perfect. know what I'm talking yes. about? Do you get me on this? Yes. You got me on this. I said sixty nine. Anyways. Um, yeah, hated that. Didn't really camp after that because my dad liked to take us to, to the Indiana dunes all the time. Like, he liked to be outdoors, but he was not a camper. And also by the time that I was born, like the dude was in his fifties. Yeah. So like it wasn't going to happen. I didn't really get into camping again until I was, you know, far into my adult years. And the thing that got me hooked on it um for real was taking my road trip out to montana mm-hmm. um with my friend john and we camped at uh devil's tower which was an incredible magical experience like insanely magical it was, it was out of this world um get it because that's where uh, close encounters of the third kind got oh filmed. remember that yep. Anyways, I, I, yep i did but i forgot yep. get my joke anyways um we we camped there and then we also camped along a river in wyoming and it was like, I look back at that as like one of the best nights of my life. It was incredible. Like we just pulled over on the side of the road and just like camped. So it wasn't like a campsite. I mean, there, there, like it was a place where people had camped, and yeah. there was like a shitty, like, like you know, toilet kind of thing. But there was nothing there that you besides that. And yeah. like we were on this river, and we went for this big hike, and we came back, and we like made a fire and made food. It's awesome. And then when I got back from that trip, I was like, fuck it. I want to do that. So then I started like collecting gear and like putting it together and just like slowly building it up. Yeah. And like, you know, I'm pretty proud of all the camping gear and gadgets and shit that I have. And yeah. it's like, you know, I've got a never ending bag of like, oh, you need that? Here it is. <laughs> oh, you need this? I got that. And it actually. just keeps, it's like a, a giant IKEA yeah. bag that just keeps growing. Right. Yeah. And then like for us, yeah. you know, we used to camp with Max, but he's gone. But, you know, you and Michael and me, we love to do it, and yeah. it's it's a blast, and it's a great and cheap way to feel like you're 
going on a vacation. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So yeah, that's me. Um, my relationship with camping has really changed over the years. Uh Um, when I was a kid, you know, much like you, we grew up, you know, very meager. Uh, uh, we did not have a lot of money. Poor kids. (laughs) And for the majority of my, uh, childhood, I had, um, God, let's see here three step siblings and one half sibling yeah. so there was a lot of us yeah. and we were poor so camping was like kind of a normal thing for us because it was like yeah it's something our parents we can do it was like basically free but like well for us it was because <laughs> we didn't actually go to like national parks we just like oh my friend has this property up in northern michigan yeah, you guys sure. can camp on it if you right. want yeah so like we literally would be like so we'll talk about this when we watch the burning, but yeah. like when they like wake up and they're just like in their sleeping bags outside, like that's what I equate to like my childhood yeah, camping sure. experience, yeah. like digging a hole for you to uh, do do to go to the, take a number two two, <laughs> and like uh, you know go your shower was going swimming in the lake, like that kind of a thing. So William H H Murray would be proud of you. <laughs> so growing up, I thought I hated camping. Oh. Now that I'm an adult and I can make my own camping decisions, like, let's go to a place that actually has bathrooms. Yeah. Let's go to a place that actually has showers. Yeah. You know, they're not like the nicest showers or anything. Doesn't but really matter, like, though. Let's go to a place where, you know, there's a little bit of supplies and yeah. then we can, you know, for lack of a better term, glamp it up a little bit. Yeah, like, sure. We have an air mattress. We have a fan. We have yeah. a light. Like, all this stuff that makes it much more um, sustainable to, like, stay out there for a longer period of time. Well, what's great is that there's just so many different <laughs> types of it, you know? Like, I mean, we do car camping. That's, yeah. what, that's what we do. But like, I'd love to have them at home. <laughs> oh my God, I would love that. Um, but like, I've got the stuff that I have. If I really got down to the essentials, I could backpack with what I have. Yeah. And like, I haven't had a chance to do that because I live in fucking Chicago. But yeah. like, one day I would really love to do that. Like, hike in somewhere, just have like my dried food and like my, you know, jet boil thing. And like, that's it. And then figure it out and like, just go. There's something. Something exciting about that. Not ready. For also that terrifying. <laughs> also terrifying. But um, one thing that's also kind of terrifying is thinking about the National Park Service in general. Mm-hmm. This administration, which is a pile of garbage, it's shit. Do not vote for Trump. Um, they are not friends of the National Park Service, as you might guess. <laughs> Who could have possibly thought that? And one of the things that I was looking into for this episode was how. How National Park Service parks are probably going to be privatized. Yeah. Because there is a $12 billion maintenance backlog that they don't have money for. Oh, wow. Especially during a pandemic when they're not getting money from park entries. Right. So, and like people are doing whatever they want to do. Like, I mean, early on in the pandemic, you might remember there were stories of people like taking their trucks through Joshua Tree and like running over the fucking joshua trees like what the fuck is wrong with you you nasty monster yeah i remember early on when and i don't even know if it was the pandemic i think it was just early on in the administration when they cut a bunch of the budget for the national parks is when you know when you cut the budget that means that not as many people are going to be able to keep up the maintenance right Right. so like i do remember seeing a lot of like overflown toilets (sighs) overflown trashes people trashing the bathrooms and i just (sighs) The way humans feel the need to destroy, I just don't it's understand. It's, but it's very, it's, very fucked up. It's, but I don't get it. <laughs> it's, it's a bit of a two-edged sword, though, because at first, privatization sounds like, oh, that sucks. But then also, there is an argument to be made. Like, does a park ranger need to 
get the poop out of the toilet. Right. You know what I mean? Does a park ranger need to take out the trash? Can some of that be done by private industry who then could make money off of it? By like hiring out. And then, you know, you could help with this, this, or this. Of course, the other side of that that coin is, you know, do you want to... um, do you want to have bars at your campground? Oh yeah, and like at, at, you know, you know, for us, it's like, oh, that'd be kind of fun. But then also, like, no. But then like, you would get there and be like Margarita. Yeah, I mean, yeah, at, at that point, you're not really camping. You're yeah. you're just like you may as well go to some like KOA piece of shit. You know it's like I mean? an outdoor uh, exactly. Mall. <laughs> but you know, the the fact is, the NPS has one thousand four hundred and twenty one campgrounds. Oh wow, they don't have enough money to manage them. And I would say, after the stuff that I read from National Geographic specifically back in April, it sounds like when you go to parks next year, a lot of it's going to be privatized. You're going to see a lot of changes. Yeah, and you know, there's going to be a lot more um, advertising, oh, big time, like, which is also going to suck. Yeah, it's you gonna, know, like, it's going to ruin the aesthetic of you know nature. I well, guess, sure, but. because that's the thing is that you you can take away some things, but you need a park ranger who's been trained in like forestry and in animal husbandry and in you know environmental science to like do the actual wilderness management well and because humans are pieces of shit you need somebody out there that can help you know uh quote unquote police some of these people and educate yeah also you know what i mean defund the police don't defund the park rangers (laughs) anyways that's what i looked into you know i don't know i guess if you're into national parks my dudes Maybe you should like look into it because it's going to get kind of scary next year. Maybe you should like contact your representative or senator, you know, go look them up and shit because I don't know. I, I think it would be a really sad America. I mean, America's already fucking sad as it is. But like if we lose our parks, yeah, like fuck it. And just one final thing on that is, you know, if these things do go private, that does offer up the opportunity for people to sell them. Yeah, and, which is, I, I just don't even want to... And for people to build on them, and for people to do that kind of stuff. So that's, I mean, that's scary to me. Yeah, I, I, yeah I'm done, because I'm just going to start crying. Yeah. Okay, well, Han, uh, I'm going to talk about the deadlier side of national parks. Do you mean people getting killed? <laughs> yes. Good. So I have in we my... We probably need more of that happening, quite frankly. <laughs> I have in my repertoire the top five most deadliest national parks. Is the first one Indiana Dunes National Park? No. Damn. Um, so number five, going from number five to number one. Okay. Number five, the Golden Gate National Recreation Area. Is that in San Francisco? It is. And if you've ever been to San Francisco, it's uh, it's interesting because when you think about San Francisco and you think about the bridge, you kind of just think of it as like, oh, the city is all over there. But nope. like, there's actually a huge park that yeah. runs along the edge of the, the bridge and everything. It's really beautiful. And that's, where, a, that's where people have their sex, and, too, down there. <laughs> sure. They do. And then there's, like, a really nice beach at the end of it. There's, like, Japanese gardens in there. It's, it's actually, like, really beautiful. But yeah. um, it, it's approximately, um, it was established in 1972. Approximately 15.6 million people annually go through this place. The current death count for this is 85. So that's 85. it? Well, I mean, you know, it's a it's just a recreation. Let's see if we can get that up to at least 150 <laughs> by the end of the year, okay? Um, <laughs> a lot of the uh, deaths are due to rip currents and sneaker waves. So Rip currents are bad. Uh-huh. telling you. So that one. And then also, um, you know, there, it, being that it's on an urban area, a lot of people that go to this area are not necessarily like professional hikers or are very experienced. So a lot of accidents and stuff like that. Um, then number four... Yellowstone National Where Park. Where I ugh, love Yellowstone. 
So there are 93 deaths in, since 1872 in Yellowstone. That actually seems really low. I know. For I know, Yellowstone. Um, let's see here. 13 deaths in Yellowstone this year alone. Um, and highly publicized. This one's, this one's rough. Um, highly publicized demise of a man who fell into a hot spring in Norris Geyser Basin. Um, from what I understand, researching into that, he was never found. So, so it's just boiling. Have you ever been to Yellowstone? I have not. I'm just going to tell you one quick thing about it. I have. It's brilliant. It's, it's like an alien world. But I want everyone to understand the, all of the hot pools, all of the geysers, it is so incredibly clearly marked where You're you should go. not go. It's literally all over the place. Like It's almost annoying. And people that do it, guess what? You're going to die because it's basically acid. Well, yeah, it says here um, at least 22 people are known to have died in the park's scorching oh, yeah. springs. Just, I mean, <laughs> stupid. Very stupid. It always reminds me of, uh, God, what's that movie with... Golden Eye, where Dante's mm. Peak. Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> Golden, you mean Pierce Brosnan? Yeah, yeah. Jeez. Um, number three, the Grand Canyon. My worst nightmare. Never. <laughs> I've brought this up before on the podcast, but I'm terrified of being pushed off the edge of the. <laughs> I. That's such a specific fear. I know. I don't. But know. okay, I get it. Um, approximately 130 known deaths. Um, this one is really. Ooh, God, uh, I just thought about falling off. Oh my God. <laughs> there's so what people don't understand about the desert. A lot of the times that there are severe swings in climate change depending on what time of day. So it can go from sub-zero temperatures at night to triple digits during yep, the day. Yep. So a lot of people have just died of either like hypothermia, cardiac arrest, that kind of stuff um and then the park has the second highest number of suicides um over the past decade hey i mean i get it like i guess if i i mean if i was gonna i don't think i'd do that but like if i was gonna do that hey what a way to go like (laughs) grand canyon amazing jesus um number two yosemite national park um this one has about five million people or as donald trump says yo semite are you serious? That actually happened. Keep going. Yes. <laughs> um, let's see here. Um, uh, causes of death. The common causes of death. Uh, people most often fall from natural causes. Or I'm sorry. They usually die from falls or natural causes like cardiac arrest or heart sure. attacks. I mean, what you have to understand is when you're going into these parks, really make sure you do your research on the on the hiking trails that yeah. you are taking and um, what your level of hiking ability is. Yeah. Because if you're not an avid hiker, or an avid um, outdoors person or somebody that regularly exercises, this can really do a, a number on your body. Big time. And you could go into cardiac arrest. Or, and you all better have bear spray with you too. Yep. Tell uh-huh. you what. Um, more than 20 people have died on the half dome alone mm. due to falls, lightning strikes, and wow. heart attacks. Shit. Um, this year, the park had 15 deaths from natural causes, drownings, and climbing-related accidents. Have so you, you're, you're kind of seeing like a... a, a a pattern here yeah, of people right. either probably not looking where they're going or not prepared um, and having accidents. So nothing against the national parks. It's kind of the people. <laughs> I mean, with, without a doubt. Like, I mean, it's, it's wild. It's All supposed right. to be wild. And finally, number one, drum roll. Oh, boy. Lake Mead National 
recreation area. I always want to say park, but some of these are recreation wow. areas. Um, this one has 254 deaths. Oh, no, that's what I'm talking about. I don't think I said Yosemite. Yosemite has 150 deaths. Oh, okay. Uh, Lake Mead has 254 yep, deaths. Yep, that's what I want. Yeah, you want that I body want count, Let's baby. get it up, baby. Come on, get it up. Let's go. Um, this is set in the Nevada desert, if you don't know about Lake Mead. Um, the high temperatures are brutal, uh, and the rugged terrain claims an average of 25 casualties each year. Damn. That, that is crazy. Um, but the real danger is the 290 square mile lake itself. As of September, a total of 15 people died in the park this year. Four of them drowned. Um, the park also has the highest number of homicides yeah. of any park service unit over the last decade. <laughs> so people like Lake Mead um, go in there to kill some. I mean, not a surprise because it's by Vegas. So, like, I mean, it's, okay. well, it's close to Vegas. You know what I mean? Like, mafia and, like, there's crime and shit. Like, yeah. I, I guess I kind of get that. It's so hard for me to understand the mafia. I just don't get it. Girl, no one, they, they don't even get themselves. <laughs> one other, um, just to, you know, make sure that we stay on uh, trend, I did want to say, to uh, talk about kind of the dangers of um, gay people, uh, gay, gay people in the woods, gay people at national parks. Yeah, I'll tell you what, gay people are dangerous as fuck. <laughs> and if you run into a gay person on the trail, you better turn around. <laughs> also, by the way, the Morphodilians are a gay race of monsters. Oh, so good. now that you know that. Perfect. Tell us. Um, so this is a story from 1988. So we're, we're going back a little bit. But if you think about the history of the AIDS movement and the history of kind of like, uh, you know, gay people kind of getting more rights, this is kind of like in the height of when it was a battle. Like, yeah, it was awful. This is like where Terrible. it was like divided country, 100%, like, yeah, going crazy. Um, so 1988. Um, so the, the article that I am referencing here, uh, I'm going to take some liberties with because it was written really poorly. It's fine. <laughs> but um, the, I mean, basically, also everybody out there, that's what we do all the time. But the information's really good. So I yeah, wanted to right. tell the story. Um, <laughs> so. I'll, I'll leave the the first sentence there that you see until the end because it's it's kind of morbid, but uh, it's something that the person wrote, so I wanted to bring it out. But uh, I see it, listeners. You'll hear it soon. So May twelfth of nineteen eighty eight. Um, so there was this couple, two women. Um, they uh, and they wanted to hike the Appalachian Trail. Rebecca White and Claudia Brenner, um, twenty eight and twenty nine respectively, were graduate students who had been together for two years. Um, in a break between classes, they wanted to go on a hike, so they decided Appalachian Trail. Let's do it. <clears throat> um, the woman. Uh, they hiked the trail and then they slept in their tents overnight. Essentially what happened is the one woman got up in the morning to go use the lavatory. Um, and then she went to go look for the log book, which, um, cause she wanted to like write in it. Yeah. I, I don't know if people are not familiar with these long trails along the way. There's markers that have log books that you can kind of log that you've been there, what time you've been there and right. any comments just in case anything happens or you want to leave a, a trail of where you've been. So she was looking for that and, um, she happed upon, uh, a nearby lean to and she thought, oh, maybe that's where the, the marker is is so she kind of like looked inside and there was this like boy in there and she was like oh i'm so sorry like uh I, i'm gonna go and then she oh like, you are a boy <laughs> and so she went back um to her, her girlfriend at the time um and they went went on their way and at one point during their hike that day they ran into that boy again um this time though they were uh there was one detail that kind of like caught their eye is that he had a 22 caliber rifle slung across his shoulder um i i think that that's not I don't know what the rules are on the Appalachian Trail with hunting, but I mean, w with hunters, that's kind of not 
not you know not not common so i think to us we'd probably be like oh that's kind of weird but to some people that might be just like a normal thing um they kind of just went on their way they went opposite ways um and they finally that afternoon when they were done hiking they kind of set up camp and they finally decided like you know we're gonna just hang out and they started kissing in in their in their tent first mistake i know (laughs) keep going (laughs) um so then that's when the crack of a gunshot interrupted them. Um, Brenner was hit in the arm, seven more bullets, so eight bullets total came at them. Um, four hitting Brenner in the head and neck, two struck White at the base of her skull and in her back. Um, despite the wounds, Brenner was able to walk, but White was too seriously injured to move. Uh, she was alive when Brenner, her neck wrapped in bloody towels, made uh, the heartbreaking decision to leave and try to help, try to find help. Miraculously, Brenner managed to stagger four miles with gunshot wounds in her head and neck. Damn, sounds um, like what? What's the you know fucking um, what keeps you alive? You know, I what know. I mean? to a road where she flagged down um, a couple teenage boys in a car uh, they drove her to the police and an ambulance got to white but unfortunately she had passed um, oh fuck she had a gunshot wound to her liver that basically <sighs> it that was the that was a little weird. piece of shit so uh, they started to look into um investigators started to look around they found a wool cap with white animal hairs on it sunglasses two cigarette lighters a knife and 25 22 caliber bullets um, along with shells from what he had fired. Yikes. Um, so it's, this is where it starts to get a little bit weird because um, uh, she she was really reticent. The woman, Brenner, was very reticent to tell the police about her relationship with White because she knew that in her history... It was 88. Well, and she knew that within her, her history of um, authority that if she told them that they were a lesbian couple, they probably wouldn't have looked into it as, right. as sure. much. Yeah. Um, so they started looking into it um uh and then the man who shot them he was found get this living in the basement of a mennonite couple so this guy was kind of a what a quote-unquote like mountain man like he kind of just lived in the woods and like just kind of squatted at different places to mountain himself up the fuck off of (laughs) the earth um, he confessed to shooting the two women and offered the lead investigators to the spot where he buried the rifle. Um, first, this man, Stephen Rykar, Carr said um, it was a hunting accident, which did not hold up, obviously, because he shot eight oh, bullets. Oh, no, I was trying them. to shoot a, a deer. Um, Carr's attorney came up with a defense strategy based upon the sexual orientation of his victims. Gay panic. Yep. Psychiatrists probed Carr's mind and found that the hatred of lesbians was so intense that he was driven into a blind rage when he caught the two women in the act. Um, he said that a voice told him to kill them. So I wish that voice would have told him to kill his fucking self. And this is another um, 1988-ism. Um, the judge ruled that neither Carr's homophobia nor his victim's sexual orientation could be mentioned during the jury trial. Um, because that would have involved um, hate crime laws at the time and probably would have been more uh, faced with the death penalty. <laughs> um, so instead, he, he, he pleaded guilty and he did get life in prison without parole. And he's still behind bars. He's still alive. Wow. Um, Brenner actually used this to kind of catapult herself into activism. She wrote a book, um, in 1995 called eight bullets, one woman's story of surviving anti-gay violence. Let's get her on the show. Yeah. I don't know if she's alive, but 
<laughs> keep going. Yes. Just keep going. Keep going. Um, but yeah, she eventually became an architect, but then she devoted a lot of her life to activism, pushing for stricter hate crime laws and whatnot. So very tragic story, but not something that we are uncommon to <sighs> as being LGBTQ people out in some of these more rural places where maybe we haven't had representation or maybe people don't know um, any gay people and maybe yep. we'll strike out in a, in a more violent way. So. We started off with a minister who created <laughs> camping and talked about trout. We ended with the unfortunate death of a lesbian. Yes. Um, that, my friends, is why camping is terrifying. <laughs> and that's why we're going to take a break. Get, I got to get something to drink, quite frankly. And we're going to come back and we're going to... What are we doing next? What you been watching? Yeah, I was going to say, what the fuck do we do? <laughs> Anyways, see you in a minute. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Welcome back, everybody. It's time for everyone's favorite part of the show. What you been watching, bitch? What you been watching, bitch? So, in this part of the show, this is literally where we say what we've been watching. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, you ready? <laughs> so, you go first. My first one is Away on Netflix. Sorry. Is, is this the space show? Yep. Hillary okay. Swank and Josh Charles and some other people. Um, I finished it. Uh... It's okay. I haven't heard much about the, it. The problem with the show, like, I mean, I, lo I love space stuff, as you know. Um, the show is really, um, it's really sappy. Okay. Like, it's, the Away is, I guess it's good that they called it Away, because it is sort of about, like, these people being away from their families and from the people that they love. I get it. And, like, it's the first trip to Mars to put humans on the moon. And it's like this. Wait. On on the Mars, okay, yeah, like, on Mars, wait a not on the moon. We're going never to Mars, mind. but people on the moon. Never mind. Um, but so they're going to Mars, and it's like this team of like there's a Chinese woman, there's a Russian man, there's a guy from England. So it's and, international, right? There's a guy from India, and Hillary Swank is from America, and so it's this joint mission thing. Everyone's super excited. A bunch of shit goes wrong. Blah blah. Everything you would think, right? Yeah. It's just that it just keeps going back to home so much. It's after a while you're just like do you want to go to Mars or fucking not? Yeah. <laughs> and like, that is kind of the point of the show, if I'm being honest with you. But like, uh, you know, I, I give it a B. Okay. Like, I might check it out. It's after good. I, it's good in the background. After I watch, um, cause I think that there's going to be one more season of lost in space, yeah. which I'm totally into lost in space, but I think I only have room for one space show in my life right now. So. If you can fit this in, in between your, um, your intense pornography viewing during the pandemic, <laughs> I think that you might enjoy it. Because that's all that Andrew does anymore, guys. <laughs> all he does is just watch pornography every day. Yep, that's it. All day, even when he's working. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Now I have that to have. <laughs> um, okay. My first one is a movie on Netflix called We Summon the Darkness. Uh, this is starring Alexandra Daddario, which I, I don't know if you Diodario. know who she is. I don't know if you know who she is. I don't remember who she is. She's been in a lot of stuff, but she um I'm trying to think of like her big roles. She had a big role in that Baywatch movie. Um, <laughs> that's not, that's why you like her. <laughs> I do like Baywatch a lot. But <laughs> so it's so weird. I love it. Um my new show is gonna be called Gay Watch. It's about a gay man going back and watching Baywatch. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anyways. <laughs> um so we summon the darkness. Um it's kind of set in the uh satanic panic era. Is it funny? So this is what I want to say about it. 
it never goes completely one way or the other. It kind of straddles this middle line of like, is this supposed to be funny or is this supposed to be kind of scary? Is this supposed to be witty and smart? It kind of reminds me a little bit of the humor that we had in Tragedy Girls. But I think Tragedy Girls did a little better job of it. Sure. Um, But it's all about these three girls that are going to a metal concert Hmm. in Indiana, of all places. And um, it's kind of like there's been some murders going on in the area. And it's all around like satanic worship. Um, and sacrificing people to the devil, essentially. Um, Which is what should be done. I, and I don't want to say anything else because I'll be spoiling this story, but yeah. um, some good twists and turns. Uh, the only thing is I think that they never committed to being either like a dark comedy or not. See, so, that's what I don't like. Yeah. I make a commitment one way or the other. Yeah, yeah. I'd say if you have some time. Give it a grade. It's. Uh, I'd say it's like a, like a B Maybe minus. we should start doing that with these now. Do you like that idea? No, no, I don't want to think about that. Well, let's do it. Let's do it for this one. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, good. So yeah. what, what is it called again? We summon the darkness on, on Netflix. Netflix. Cool. My next one is called Bakurao and it is on Criterion channel. <clears throat> it is by far one of the weirdest movies I've ever seen in my life. Is it foreign? Oh yeah. It's okay. in Portuguese. It takes place in Brazil, uh, like off in the wilderness. Um, the only person that you really know in this movie is Udo Kier and Udo Kier has been in everything. Like, in fact, he's been in so much of, I can't even like, like name one to you. He was, he was in my own private Idaho. I know that for sure. And a bunch of other shit. If you saw his face, you'd be like, ah, that uh, guy. Udo Kier. Um, this is the story of a very small town in the middle of Brazil called Bacurau. And, um, there suddenly starts to be all this weird shit happening and people start dying and I'm not going to give away a lot of it because if I do like it, it'll just ruin it all for you. All I've got to say is that you should watch it if you're into so horror. A oh yeah, for sure. It's like, I give it an A because um, it's wild and crazy. The cinematography is intense. What's, when is this from? Um, from last year, I'm pretty oh, sure. Oh, okay. So it's new. Yeah. Okay. It, it came out this year. At least it came out this year on Criterion. Okay. Um, and there's been a lot of talk about it. I mean, it is it is fucked up. It is crazy. That what I will tell you is the death count is gigantic. Oh wow, gigantic. So oh. like, watch it. It will it will be something that you have never seen the likes of before. Bakurao on Criterion Channel. Sure. Um, my second one is Countdown, which this was a movie that came out. Um, it's the fun. <laughs> I believe last October, like last spooky season. Yeah, what was I? Don't, I didn't see this. So, what was it about? It's about an app that okay. tells you when you're gonna die. <clears throat> you know, I would be into that. So it's it all like the beginning of the movie. There's yep. like a group of kids at a party, and they're all like, "Oh, I dare you to download the Countdown app." <laughs> And so they do, and the one girl, they're all like, oh, 32 years, oh, 64 years, oh. And the one girl's like, 15 minutes. And she's just like, fuck. <laughs> oh, that's fucking fantastic. So that's kind of the premise of the movie. There's a oh, nurse. Oh, I love it. And then we cut to, you know, we kind of get this nurse storyline, and <laughs> she's trying to figure out how she can extend her life and blah, 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 blah. That's incredible. Um, it's not a good movie, but it's it's just stupid enough to where it's kind of fun. <laughs> it, it sounds like what I'm going to watch tomorrow. Yes. I'm very excited about that right now. You can find Countdown. I believe it is on. Um, it's probably on like HBO or Showtime or something because it's okay. on demand free for me. Okay. So it's one of the movie channels. Um, so yeah, Countdown. Start your Countdown to go watch Countdown. Um, my next one fits in perfect with today. 
The National Parks, America's Best Idea, the Ken Burns documentary series on PBS. You know, I'm kind of surprised you don't have a loan on here. Huh? I'm kind of surprised you don't have a loan on here. Oh, I didn't really think about that. Well, <laughs> next episode. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, why didn't I do that? I don't know. We talked so much about it. That's really weird. Anyways, um, National Parks, if you've, if you've never watched um, this particular documentary series, it's very well done. You will learn an awful lot because it's Ken Burns about the history of our national parks. It's beautiful. Oh, cool. You know, especially, honestly, right now, like, you can't go anywhere. You can't do anything. If you ever need a virtual vacation... Watch that. It's really good. And also, you should donate to your PBS station. Yeah, for sure. Heathen. I mean, it was funny because the, the first thing that happened when I got the Peloton here yeah. is that Maddie got on it and he started riding through the national parks. Oh, that's <laughs> like what I wanted to do right away. <laughs> I still want to. Um, so my third one is on Amazon Prime. It's called Vivarium. I don't know if you've heard of this at all. I have, but I haven't watched it yet. It's got um, Jesse Eisenberg and Imogen Poots. Um, I've always had kind of a crush on Jesse Eisenberg a little uh, bit. I don't. He has a weird hunchback. I mean, he's not me. hes not that cute. I get it. But just something about it. I mean, I he's know. a great... I think he's a good actor. Yeah. I just am not sexually attracted to him. Yeah. But um, so Vivarium is about this couple, I believe, in London, if I remember correctly. Okay. In Brit- somewhere British, because she has a Somewhere in Britain. And they're at the point in their relationship where they're thinking about buying a house. And so they're looking around, like they find this place that there's a real estate agent and he's like, I'll go show you this house in uh, this place. And they go to this place and it's a subdivision, but it's like a subdivision where every house looks exactly the same. And they, they kind of are like, uh, this isn't really like our style, but they they go through and they like tour the place and they kind of tell the guy like, okay, we'll like, we'll let you know, you know, and they go to leave, but they can't find their way out. And they just keep circling back to the same yes. house. Yeah. And so they eventually just have to stay there. Yeah. And they start getting shipments of things delivered, <laughs> oh, like yes. like dried food and like <laughs> that kind of stuff. And they end up having to live there for a while. And then all, one day it shows up a baby. And the, it says, raise this child and you will be let out. And so they have, the remainder of the movie is like them being like stuck in this time warp and raising a child that's like super fucked up. He's that is weird. really weird. Um, it's I actually this is a really I I would highly recommend this movie. But did, did they have to pay a mortgage? No. Great. I mean, I what know. are they what are they complaining about? <laughs> I don't understand. I don't see the. I mean, besides the kid, I don't see, right. the, I don't see the problem. Yeah, really. the kids. A, when I, I'll tell you one thing about the kid is if he does not get his way, he screams at the top of his lungs. And well, he gets give the kid way. what he fucking wants. <laughs> um. It's a, it's, I think it's a very good movie. It's very well acted. Um, it's very weird. Is there a message in this movie, do you think? Yes. What is it? I, I don't want to say, because I right. think it would okay. give away too much. Will you um, tell us later? Yeah. Okay. Um, but I would highly recommend it. Um, it's a good use of your hour and a half. Um, it's, a li- Vivarium. it's a little dark, and it's a little slow-paced, so if that's not your style, then maybe stay away. But other than that, I'd say give it a lot. Sounds like my dating life. Um, my final choice is The Social Dilemma on Netflix. It's really good. You changed a lot of your list. You I know? did because I didn't. I didn't have time to watch that one that I thought I was. Oh, watch. okay. Because I had things to say right. about that yeah, one. We'll talk about it next episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> save, save that, please. Um, the social dilemma on Netflix is about social media. It's um, about how the companies that run them, that run the social media networks. Pardon me. It literally makes me burp because I get so nervous about it. <laughs> um, are doing terrible things and. 
how it is ruining our lives and how it is um, not regulated by the government in the least. And that's the reason why these problems are happening. And, you know, I work in social media and um, it really scared me. I, I watched it. I don't know why I even put it on. I like had to like text a friend and be like, am I part of the problem? Am I ruining the world? Like, <laughs> do I do a should I get a new job? You know, I don't believe those things because I actually believe that I'm doing really good things in social media and helping people to do better and to change social media. But um, you should watch this if you are a purveyor or if you are a um, pardon me, a, a, um, a user, if you're a user of any of them. You should watch it. You should think about it because I'll tell you what, after watching it for me, I'd say after the election, my Facebook is either going to be disabled or I might delete it. Yeah. It's entirely possible because it is really fucked up what's going on. Yeah. Watch it. Well, and I know from being a marketing person, how, how much of your information is really being used. Yeah. So it's, it's a little, now, Twitter, a little scary. Now Twitter, I'm not getting rid of. I love you. <laughs> I love you, Twitter fans. Love you. Yeah. Um, my last one is the Kevin Bacon, Amanda Seyfried Ooh. joint. You should have left. Um, Sexy ass Kevin Bacon. I rented this for $6 on, on demand. Um, this, if you remember correctly, was one of the, um, what do you call it? Premiere at home movies. Premiere that, at home. It back in June, I believe, where they yeah. it was like twenty bucks yeah. to rent a movie or whatever. I waited for it to come down just because I was like, eh, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not sure. I feel the same way. So we rented it. Um, it's, I mean, it's done well. It's acted well. I'm not sure the story is that put together. Yeah, it's kind of one of those weird time movies where like there's like a time loop and I don't know. It's about a man and a woman who go on a uh, to an Airbnb out in the country to like get away from everything and things ensue from there. They have a daughter um, and they they find themselves trapped in the Airbnb and they have to try to get out. There's Um, been a lot of those types of movies lately. Have you noticed? Yeah, yeah. Like Beach House, that one, all the others. So many. I don't know if it's a product of what people are consuming. Hmm. Um, just it, during the pandemic, or if it's just like a trend, I don't, I don't know. know. It's weird. Um, but um, this one just wasn't quite for me. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a bad movie. It's it scary. Just, it, parts of it are jumpy, but it's more creepy than scary. I'd say. Okay. Um, it just it didn't quite hit my soft spot. Then I'm not going to rent it. I'm going to. I would wait for it to be free. Yeah. To be honest, wait for it to be free. But that is our What You Been Watching, Bitches. What You Been Watching. Bitch. Yes. So we will take our second break. I had to think about that for a second. It's actually our fourth break, Andrew. Well, it's our fourth break. We don't really talk about the other films. Be quiet, everybody. We will be right back with our first horror in media section of The Burning. There was a camp not far from here, just across the lake. It was called Camp Blackfoot. No one goes there anymore. Everything burnt down. There's nothing left except the ruins. Now this camp had a caretaker, a really evil bastard. And his name was Cropsy. Everyone hated Cropsy. For a start, he was a drunk. Two bottles of whiskey a day, no problem. Like, most of the time, he's somewhere out in space. But if he caught you, look out. Because Cropsy could strip the paint off the walls 
just by breathing on them. <laughs> now, this Cropsy was a sadist. I mean, he got real pleasure out of hurting people, scaring them. And he had these garden shears, you know? The kind with long, thin blades. He carried them all the time, wherever he went. And he had this kind of demonic way of looking at you. One time, this Cropsy really went after this kid from Brooklyn. Followed him around night and day. He made this kid's life living hell. But this time he chose the wrong guy. Because the kid and some of his buddies had planned a little prank that would scare the living shit out of Cropsy. Only problem was, the gag went wrong. The next thing anyone knows, Cropsy's trapped alive and burning in his bunk. They try to get him out, but the fire's so fierce they can't reach him. All they can do is stand outside and listen to him cry out in agony. They say he smashed his way through the bunkroom door, just a mass of flames. And as he screamed out, burned alive, he cried out, I will return! I will have my revenge! And now it's time for horror and media. And the first movie we are doing today, and I'm going to drop the accent now, um, is The the Burning. Uh, Maddie, why don't you tell us a little about The Burning and some of the notable cast? A legend of terror isn't a campfire story anymore. A caretaker at a summer camp. Camp Blackthorn? Was that what it was? Black Blackfoot? Blackwood? Anyways. There's, there's two camps. I can't camp remember. Camp something. Anyways, a caretaker at a summer camp is burned when a prank goes tragically wrong. After several years of intensive treatment at a hospital, he is released back into society, albeit missing some social skills. What follows is a bloody killing spree, with the caretaker making his way back to his old stomping ground to confront one of the youths that accidentally burned him, and his name is Cropsy. This was directed by Tony Malam. It was written by none other then Harvey Weinstein and Bob Weinstein and Tony Milam and Peter Lawrence. I put in a lot of other stuff here because I want to point out that the editor was Jack Shoulder. I saw that yep. too. And cinematography was also done by Harvey Weinstein. Todd was played by Brian Matthews, Michelle by Leah Ayers, Alfred by Brian Backer, Glazer, uh, <laughs> Glazer, wow, was played by Larry Joshua. Dave was played by Jason Alexander, who reminded us in this film that he always was and always will be George Costanza. Eddie was played by Ned Eisenberg. Sally was played by Carrot Glenn. Karen by Carolyn Houlihan. Woodstock Fisher Stevens. Cropsey was played by none other than Lou David. And Sophie was played by Holly Hunter in her debut role on film. I did not see that. Yep. The Burning was rated R. 91 minutes. Thank you, Jesus, for making films that short. Released on May 8th, 1981. Filmed in Western New York State. Budget of probably a one and a half million. And we don't know what the gross is. Yeah. Um, uh, no, it's gross is Harvey Weinstein. I know True. that much. True. <laughs> Anyways, The Burning. Um Cropsy, you know, fucking uh, hedge clippers, fucking kids. So this was your first time watching. Well, it was. Right? It was my first time watching it. Yeah. Yeah. This is some. This is one that um, I didn't know about until my later years. Yeah. Um, because it's 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 mainly like a kind of more known in Canada. 
Um, it's more of a hmm. Canadian Friday the 13th type of deal. In the Canadian deal. idiom. Um, so I just kind of never saw it. And then I came back to it. We we did a 31 Days of Horror a couple yeah. years ago. And we, this was in our lineup. And we watched it. And I was like, why don't people talk about this movie more often? It's it's pretty fucking good. That's <laughs> interesting. Yeah. I mean, um, it, it really is. It's The, the kills in it are, are really... Um, Horrific. Well, I think that that is a credit to Tom Savini, yeah. um, who also worked on Friday the 13th, but then did not come back for Friday the 13th Part 2 because he was working on The Burning. Isn't that interesting? Um, I think that uh, there's <clears throat> there's a section of this movie that I think could be cut out, um, but I, I'm not sure what it does for the movie, and that's the portion with the prostitute. Um, yeah, I, I, that, that didn't make a lot of sense. I think it's just meant to show his like perverseness, um, but... I mean... <sighs> So I, I really did enjoy the movie. The The problem that I have with it, though, is like um, Cropsey really does become a supervillain out of nowhere. Uh-huh. Like we don't really know. He's what, driven by rage. What, like, like, like what he did at the camp to make those kids hate him so much. And like we do learn a little bit that he really he was a drunkard. We well, knew that, and he that he really focused on one kid and really made that kid's life a living hell. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, so, I, I kind of forgot about that, but yeah. I don't know. It just seems like like, and the prostitute part really does kind of show it. Which I sort of took that as like, well, he's testing on how he can kill. Maybe he's never killed Maybe. before. This is like how he's going to learn how to do yeah. it. I do. I do like her line though that she says when she's going up. I mean, she's, she's kind of awesome. When to she be goes up, she's going up to seduce him, and she says, "Are you coming up? Because I'm going in." Yep. Um, I thought she was really cool. Um, <laughs> I like the actress. Um, it's just a weird great. part because like. So we're led to believe this is probably upstate New York, yeah. I, I think, um, where he gets his treatment. Because um, essentially what happens for folks that have not seen the movie, yeah. there's a prank pulled on Cropsey at the beginning by a group of campers where they put a flaming skull in his yeah. uh, in his bedroom. Like they clearly dug up a skull from a grave because yeah. it's got like worms and shit. And it scares him so bad that he knocks it onto his bed and gets burned uh, alive. Well, also um, because motherfucker's got a gasoline can next to his bed. Well, he is the caretaker yeah but so, like that's, that's like for his like long that's mower. really close to the fucking bed yeah I you know what i mean that. i was just like and the other part of me too was like cropsy did you have to knock it over yeah. onto your bed like you could have just blew out the candles man i think it was like a surprise thing. i know he's like oh i'm just saying i'm yeah. just saying I, I, I do think it's funny though that they're like they're literally right outside the window, like, <laughs> like all these kids. Like, also, you need to never do that laugh again because that was absolutely terrifying like, and awful. Literally, if Ugh. for me, if I woke up and saw that many faces looking at me, yeah. it would scare me more than a skull. Yeah, on my side I know. Of my bed. Like it was, it, it, it's, it's a lot. But yeah, that part of the movie I'm not a big fan of. Like I like Cropsey as a killer. I just. Yeah, well, just I, one, one more thing on location, yeah, really quick. Yeah. Because he gets his treatment at a, a, what is supposed to be, I guess, like a local hospital. Sure. Because he can't go far. But then he in the city. He's, he's, a, he's a freaking Big Mac, but <laughs> from what the nurse he's says. A, he's an overdone Big Mac. But when he gets let out of the hospital five years later, and he goes to like... The city. But is he already in the city? Yeah. And, and is it New York City? Because this... It seems like New York City to me. This is quite the red light district because there are strip yeah. clubs and booby places and... My kind of place. It was just funny to me because I was like, oh, we're like camp like camp and serene Lord and like red loves, light district. You know, I love me a red light district. 
You know what I mean? So I felt at home in this part of the movie. I did appreciate, and um, we'll talk more about this as we get into the movie, but I did appreciate that we did not take the opportunity to have a rape scene with the prostitute because I yeah. feel like that could have easily been put in there. Well, we never know what Harvey Weinstein actually filmed and what didn't make it in the movie. True, quite, true, frankly. True, 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 or true, true. just who he raped yeah. while making the movie, for that matter, too. Um, it was weird to see Jason Alexander with a hair. Jason Alexander... Um, you know, I, I, honestly, I think all the kids did good in the movie. Yeah, and I don't think that they were given like it. it from what I, from what I, when I watch the movie and yeah. what I see, it kind of seems like ad-libbing. they were just like ad libbing yeah. a lot of the time. I think so. they they had an outline of where they were going. Yeah. Um, but Jason Alexander is just George Costanza, <laughs> like that's just what he is. Um, and he was good, you know. I think that um, you know Holly Hunter was good. You know the uh, Todd and Michelle. I actually really enjoyed them. Yeah. Glazer was like delightfully stupid. I, I love when Michelle gets all like at the end when she's like on the on the like tip of the boat and she's like, "Can it go any faster?" I know. Like, also, I love when they're in the woods and they're like. Um, all the canoes are gone, mm-hmm. and Todd's like, "We'll make a raft." Yeah, and then all of a sudden, like they got this fucking raft. I'm like, "How did you even make that? I, like, where did that come from?" My favorite person in this whole movie, I actually don't know her name, but it's the girl in the green who like picks up the milk carton, and she's like, "Well, this will flow." <laughs> yes, <laughs> there's just something about her line delivery that is just so funny to me, and you know. Also, and she also has this like scowl on her face the whole entire movie. Like, I really hated. Um, I I wasn't a huge fan of the storyline with Alfred. Oh, the, don't the get nerd. Me started on Alfred. Just because, like, I don't. Maybe Harvey Weinstein wrote that role for himself. That's entirely possible. Um, but like, it just. It just got a little old. Well, to be honest, to all, be honest with you, he is a pervert. Yeah, he. Right. Peeps on um, the one girl in the shower. Yeah, in the shower. And then also peeps on any time. So he's clearly anytime. Obs- he's clearly obsessed with that girl because anytime that Glazer and and her are making he's out, that he's boner. like in the background, like watching. He gets in the shower with her. It's just like it's a lot. And with Alfred. The, the one thing that's really strange about Alfred is that they're supposed to be playing him off as like this like nerd who always gets picked on. Yeah. But he's not. He like really, yeah. he literally has like tons of friends and sits at like the cool kid table. Completely. And has one bully. Right. And that's Glazer. Actually, the only, the only person who like people really don't like and kind of make fun of all the time it's is Glazer. Glazer. <laughs> Glazer is the bully that gets bullied by everybody else. In fact, he gets bullied so hard that they take a gun and shoot him with it. Mm-hmm. Other than that, Glazer like kind of roughs up Alfred a little bit, but that's all that he does. I got he something to do anything else. I got something to tell you, Alfred. You yeah. need to just check yourself. And also, I'll tell you what too. In the one sex scene with uh, Glazer and Sally, right? Sally, yeah, yeah, um, I think so. Yeah. When they're in the woods, like I'll tell you what, he was actually pretty tender. Like I'm not even joking. I just think like, it's funny that she was. It like, was a surprising sexual scene because. It was a scene of like teenagers learning how to do it, right? Yeah. And so you've got this guy who like very clearly comes early, mm-hmm. right? And he like ap- he apologizes for it. He doesn't mistreat the girl. In fact, the girl says to him like, "Well, hold well on. you didn't do enough to warm me up." Hold on. What? Because he's been trying to get in her pants the entire movie. Oh, sure. Yeah. And rubbing up on her. I mean, also, she doesn't want it. It's, it's 1981. I'm just you know saying I mean? he's not as innocent as you're yeah, playing. Yeah, I know. But I'm, I'm just saying it, it, it's, it, it's interesting because there are 
I don't know. There are some surprising things, and that that was a surprising moment. It really yeah. was. And then also, is like, that it? <laughs> yeah, right. I know. But then, like, when she's like, when she says, "No, let's stay," and he's like, he's actually like really into it. It yeah. was. I don't know. It was just. It was a very interesting sex scene from the eighties. I thought. I, I thought it was funny. And you got fucking Alfred over there, fucking jerking off. Why? He's such a. He's such a fucking asshole. And the re- and the way that they play, the way that they try to make him like the quote unquote like final boy. Yeah. It just. It doesn't work for me very often, but because it's fine. Um, I do think it's funny early on in the movie, they're talking about the difference between Alfred and Glazer and all the girls are sitting around smoking. First of all, I know. Just all like, the kids are smoking in, in their cabins. I love which it. I don't know Canada in 1980, but whatever, this is very strange to me. Um, and they're talking about the two boys and like who they would want to get with. And really Sally's the only one that would like secretly wants to get with Glazer. Cause everyone else is like, Oh, he's so muscly. Can you imagine all those muscles on top of yes, you? Yes, I can. <laughs> Actually, I can imagine that. <laughs> but they talk about it as like a gross thing. And I was like, yeah, girls, you need to get your lives in check. Like if you're if you're going for fucking Alfred, you got a girl. I don't know what up. I did think it was funny. The one Woodstock out. He he gets to the, the dining hall and he's like, did anyone bring my vitamin E? And, they, and the other the other kid is like, you don't really believe in that bullshit, do you? <laughs> he needs his vitamin E. Which actually the guy that said that too, I was like. I bet you grew up to be a cute kid, <laughs> except, you know, you get killed in this movie by a hedge clipper on um, a raft. I, I I meant to look up what vitamin E is for and why he needs a ticket with food. Vi- um, vitamin E, he, he um, it, well, I mean, like, if, if he had really pale skin, which he did, maybe it's be, like to help protect against, like, the sun while he's at camp. I don't know. I mean, I like vitamin E. Okay. You know, I like vitamin D. I like vitamin B. I like <laughs> vitamin C. I like vitamin E. One of, The one thing in this movie is all of these boys are so horny. All of them. They're also yeah, horny. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, like, does that surprise you? No, I mean, it's just, it gets a little uncomfortable. I, I want to point out the one scene with Eddie and, and the girl when they go off to like kind of do their oh, own thing. Oh yeah, that was fucked And up. he gets like, a, he gets really rapey and um, she yeah. ends up having to flee and she gets killed at, yeah. during that time. But, and it's, it's really strange because we really don't get a significant kill besides the prostitute until about the 50 minute mark. And this is only an hour and a half. Yeah, it's, it takes time. <clears throat> and it's, and the first person that dies is like the most innocent girl. Yeah. Like she's like the good girl. So it's kind of an interesting I, choice. I really love the raft scene because yeah, we'll talk about the, raft um, scene. because I, I think that it was, um, much darker than what we really, give the movie credit for sure i mean like it is these are children and we dispatch about half of our cast yeah i mean like everyone is uh, these these are kids they are killed on this raft there's like eight of them on there seven of them whatever and they're all just murdered by this hedge clipper Mm -hmm. and um i i really do enjoy the way that they did the filming there because with the very dramatic shots of the hedge clippers coming up in the sky and like standing up coming down like it's 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 it is an iconic sort of you know Scene. piece of yeah. cinematography. What I hate, I just want to point this out too. I hate that it's Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, but this is something that we have to kind of you know the bullshit. You got to distance the thing from the thing. I get it. I just saying I know somebody out there hates this, and I'm like, I hey, I get it. Yeah, I totally get it. Yeah, you know? no, it makes sense. No, yeah, the 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 raft scene is really well done, and all the effects are practical, so it it's it's effective. Um, what I do think is like equally effective is when Michelle takes the so at this point Todd and Alfred are kind of off you know 
trying Todd's trying to find Alfred yep. who's fleeing from Cropsey. And Michelle sure let Cropsey fucking kill him. Michelle decides like let's take all the campers back to camp to get to recruit help yeah. to come back. So they get on the raft and I thought that this was really well done like all they're 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 going back to the camp and they're all like crying because they're like they just saw all these dead bodies and they're just like sobbing and crying yeah and they get back to the camp and michelle sees the um uh the camp leader yeah and and he he's and she's like we need to go like there's kids that are he's like oh come on michelle this is dumb don't there's nothing going on and she's like look at these kids yeah. and they're all just like sobbing and i just was like oh that's kind of a new way of like looking at that yeah i just thought it was really effectively done i mean yeah it, it's it's this is a it's a good horror movie yeah it's a it good, really is if, if you like movies like friday the 13th and you haven't seen the burning yeah. you should definitely go back and watch it it, it is a di- it's also just a different kind of slasher i think that it yeah. is um know? and so essentially we learn um well we don't learn I ca- it's kind of um just kind of known that todd is one of the kids from five years ago that was part of the yeah. prank. And so Cropsey, I think from what, from my understanding, looking at the film, it's kind of like he targeted Todd, but he wanted to take out all the people around him. Yeah. And probably he would have eventually gotten to Todd, but he wanted to take out people that meant something to Todd or people that Todd cared about or took care of. Um, and we you end know, up in the, in the, the old camp at right. the end. Um, and it's also like a mine. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I kind of, it kind of makes sense. Like out, out in the middle of nowhere, yeah. I guess I get it. Whatever. We but. end up there and there's like a final showdown between Alfred. I mean, Todd it's a story of justice, yeah. you know, like, and eventually he doesn't get it. <laughs> he does not. I mean, it's, it's, um, oh, you see that crazy ass fucking sloth face. You I know. know I mean? Like that Jesus. Burned up face. Good Lord. Like an overdone Big Mac. <laughs> um, also, this is, of course, based on an actual campfire story told at summer camps in and around New Jersey and upstate New York. Uh, story is still in circulation. People still tell this all the time, not just from the burning. Um, also, the basis for the documentary Cropsy from 2009. Um, although, of course, the burning is not referenced in that documentary. Well, it's a very different. Um, the, the the urban legend of Cropsey is this. very different yeah. than it, it, Cropsey is kind of more just seen as like this guy who lives out in the woods and abducts children. Yeah, like right. that's kind of like yeah. the New Jersey. I mean, and like any story. good legend, it's going to get you know um, darker. It's going to get what's the word I'm looking for adapted for different situations. Yeah, I think they just use also, the name. I just want to tell the audience really quick because this might come through in the audio. If you hear a weird sound in the background kind of low, do you know what that is? It is cicadas. Mm -hmm. Because cicadas have invaded Chicago, about three different broods of them. They are everywhere. And you know what they never do? Shut the fuck (laughs) up. So anyways, if you hear something, that's what it is. Keep going. Um, This film was actually one of the first movies to land on the UK's Video Nasties list. Video Nasty. So if you don't know what that is, it's a This one's a nasty one. It's a list of movies that were kind of banned in the UK yeah. because they were either too violent or too sexual. Um, and so this was one of the first ones that was put on that. All of Andrew's favorite porns are on that list. <laughs> Will you stop with the porn thing? No, I can't. It's your problem, man. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I think I, I don't really have anything else. to. I, I think that um, great it. It's a fun. It's a fun, fun rate movie. It, rate it. What rate I, it. What did I put? Um, okay. I, I give uh, Cropsy. I give The Burning uh, a 4.5. <laughs> Uh, I'm just below you. I give it a four. Is there a reason why I gave it a four? Harvey Weinstein. Drops at a point. <laughs> uh, it did. Honestly, it did. I was like, I just don't want to grade that very high. Yeah, I get it. But uh, you, b- beyond that, 
Ugh, I it's hate a to fun say it, but you should watch The Burning because it actually really is a good horror film. Anyway, it's currently streaming on Shutter if you have that subscription. Shutter. So Shutter. I, act- I actually think it is the Blu-ray um, scan of it. Yeah. So it's a nice version. You know what's not on Shutter? The movie we're about to talk about <laughs> next, which, dear listeners, you may know is part of our curse because literally the next film, Eden Lake, we'll, we'll get there in a minute. It was on Shutter. Until a, like two days ago. Mm-hmm. And so I had to rent the motherfucker, which, by the way, you can uh, go to patreon.com slash Friday 13. You know, it's no big deal, but it just our curse continues. It's very funny. Anyways, we're done with this one. Yep. So we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back with Eden Lake. Goodbye. So Kat's boyfriend is taking her to Paris for the weekend and my boyfriend's taking me to a disused quarry. <laughs> At your first opportunity, turn around. (laughs) It's beautiful. Why don't we just find another spot? I'm not going to be bullied away by a bunch of 12-year-olds. Hey, guys, can you turn your sounds down? Oh, there you, mate. And what are you looking at? Are you looking at my tears? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking jog on. <laughs> Steve, where's the beach bag? It's got the car keys in it. I just want my car back. Car keys, phone, wallet. You've had your fun. First phone he sees, 999. Now we've got to finish this. Run! Listen to me. Go get him. Go! I'm fucking bleeding to death. I've got to get us out of here. Can you hold on? Hey, kids, pack up your beach towels. Get it all in the back of the SUV. We're going to the lake. Andrew, tell us all about Eden Lake. Eden Lake, a weekend by the lake with views to die for. Eden Lake is a relentlessly tense and immaculately paced horror thriller about modern youth gone wild. When a young couple goes to a remote wooded lake for a romantic getaway, their quiet weekend is shattered by an aggressive group of local kids. Rowdiness quickly turns to rage as the teens terrorize the couple in unimaginable ways, and a weekend outing becomes a bloody battle for survival. This was directed by James Watkins, written by James Watkins. Uh, Jenny is played by Kelly Riley. Steve is played by none other than a young Michael Fassbender. Brett is played by Jack O'Connell. Paige is played by Finn Atkins. Oh, that's interesting. Uh Mark is played, sorry, (laughs) Revelation on live. Um, Mark is played by Jumaine Hunter. Cooper is played by Thomas Turgoose, and Harry is played by James Burroughs. This comes in at a, at a quick 91 minutes, thank God. Rated R. Um, this was uh, made in the UK and released on none other than today. Today, bitch! September 12th of 2008. So, so it's 12, 12 years old today. Happy 12th birthday. Yeah. Filming locations were uh, around Buckinghamshire. 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 <laughs> 
It was good. It was you were good to know. Buckinghamshire in England. Um, budget was about two million. Oh, that's a really low budget. I thought so too. Um, and a cumulative worldwide gross of about four point three, which is estimated. So didn't do particularly great, but it is that's also not a surprise. But it is also a British film. Yeah. I, I'm not sure it ever got a theatrical release here. It may have only. Come I, I don't on think that it did either. DVD. Yeah. So. Um. It it was up uh for an an Empire Award for best film. Oh, um, and this is a really, this is a really hard film. Um, it is, it's very rough. It is, um, it is about a couple going camping at the lake, right? Um, the film is one of those movies that for me, um, it's really hard to like okay. because, because it is, um, it's like where the writer said, okay. I'm going to put together a list of 60 things that could possibly go wrong. And I'm going to find a way to make every single one of them happen. And it gets to a point where it's like, how much, how much more could possibly go wrong for these people? That's one of the issues that I have with it. Another issue that I have with it is it's really, um, it's really classist. Mm -hmm. And um, like, don't get me wrong. The movie is terrifying. Mm-hmm. What happens to these people is awful. Mm-hmm. The kids themselves, I mean, these are like, these are teenagers. They are children. The, the children are mind-bogglingly fucking evil. evil. I mean, absolutely evil. Run, ran by this one kid who clearly is an abused child. We can talk more about that later. But like, you know, it's, it's, it's all about a couple. You know, it's not, it doesn't take place in Buckinghamshire. That's something to keep in mind here. It's filmed there. Um, which is sort of like south of London. Um, this is taking place in the Midlands, so north of there, um, which is actually where you know you know Robin. That's where Robin's yeah. from. Um, the Midlands are sort of like that's where like the Hicks live. Basically, it's like a rural right. setting, yeah. Um, and it is about this couple who's going on like you know coming from London, going to like an Airbnb, and then they're going to go to the lake for the weekend and do their thing. And so, like, of course, they're a little bit more posh. You know, mm-hmm. they got, they've got a nice car. He has, like, Ray-Ban aviators. And, like, you know, she's dressed nice. And, like, they're not mean. No, no. They're, no. like, they seem like okay people. But they go to this small town in the middle of nowhere. I believe it was called Redford. I can't Something remember like what, what they called yeah. it. Um, but they go there. And instantly they start having problems. Mm-hmm. They go to the Airbnb. And, or, like, it's, like, an Airbnb thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're there, and, like, there's, like, people outside while they're having beers at a picnic table. And, like, there's, like, rowdy kids. It's, like, kids being kids. Yeah. Like, people on vacation. And one of the kids is running around, and one of the moms just rears back and slaps that kid across the face. Yeah, and they the shit out of him. And they look, at, they look at the mom like, holy shit. Well, that, I think that that is meant because she is a preschool teacher. Yeah. So I think that that's like another layer of this movie is like, yeah, having to confront kids. Yeah, sure. And like how she, uh, as a preschool yeah, sure, teacher, sure, sure. Uh, teaches kids, but and then, then how but, parents yeah. treat kids. And then it just keeps going further, right? Like later that night when they're trying to go to bed, there's a, there's, fight. There's a fight going on with, with, you know, you believe the same people. Then when they go to the lake the next day to just kind of like get their bearings and like hang out and go swimming that day, like they run into these children who will become the villains for the rest of the movie. And a lot of stuff happens and it's just, it's awful. They go back into town. They go to get lunch. They meet who you assume is the mom of at least one of those children. Right. And the mom is the waitress and she's friendly at first, but then they talk about like these kids that are riding bikes and it's awful. And she's like, oh, not, you know, not my kids. Oh, oh, are they, are they, are they terrorizing you today? 
And and he's like, yeah, actually. And he says something else, and she's like, oh, not my kids. Mm-hmm. And like that's another part of it. And you can tell there's some class tension right there. And then there is this really weird moment where Michael Fassbender and Kelly Riley, who plays Jenny, um, who is uh, it's Steve and Jenny that that that's the couple. They're driving past this house, and he sees all the bikes, so he knows that all those kids are there. Yeah. Right. So. He goes to like confront them or like talk to their dad or whatever. Just lets himself in. He completely lets himself in to someone's house and doesn't stop there. He goes further into the house, into the living room, into the kitchen. He goes upstairs. Well, he goes upstairs because the dad comes home oh, from work. <laughs> I, I, I was watching it. I, I couldn't, I honestly couldn't believe what I was watching. I know. It was, it was, I was screaming at the television. He has to go off the roof to get away before the dad can see him or before the kids can see him. So then they go back to the lake. God, I'm really going for it right now. Sorry. <laughs> it's fine. You but keep w- going. when they get back to the lake, then shit starts to really go wrong from there. Amps it up. It really amps up. They get they they um, the kids steal their car. the kids steal their car. They go to get the car back. There's a, there's a there's a kind of accident, but not really. Where the the kid's dog was this awful Rottweiler, which is just an awful dog to begin with. I don't care what anybody says. This d- d- dog comes at them and attacks them, and so he knifes the dog. The dog is dead. Now shit gets real. Yeah, and so now like everyone's crazy and then they attack them it goes downhill very fast from there and it is it is it's a lot yeah i think one of the hardest parts about it is that the um besides the class issues which we will come back to sure but is that steve and uh jenny are so frustratingly english (laughs) it drives you nuts they kind don't of get it though, but they they don't they don't say what they want to say. They don't scream when they should scream. They don't do this. They don't do that. They don't do this. They don't do that. But the kids do, mm-hmm. and so it shows you like how they're setting that up even further. This foil between rich and poor, between city and midlands, um, and between sort of pikey and posh, mm-hmm. and it's a it's a tough thing to watch. By the end of the movie. You know, you um, you are left feeling a lot of things. What I was left feeling was I wanted to kill every one of those kids. Yeah. Like literally, not just kill the kids. I wanted to slit their throats. <laughs> I wanted to hang them upside down. I wanted to shoot them. I wanted to do everything I could to eradicate them from the surface. Well, yeah, I think that that is the, the one thing that this movie, for me... Um, that's missing is that catharsis moment where you get so sort of the revenge. It's not there because it never happened. I mean, there is one moment, I guess when she runs that girl down when she runs, when she runs, uh, her name is Paige. when yeah. she runs Paige down. Cause you think she's going to stop that truck, mm-hmm. but bitch is like, boom, let's go. <laughs> and I, I, I did that. And I, I literally, I, I was looking at the TV, waving my hand going, bye, 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 bye. But the frustrating, bye-bye. but the frustrating thing about that is so two, two of the kids gets killed. Yeah. Um, the little blonde guy, the little blonde kid and the girl. Yeah. And if you really think about it, those are the two most innocent sure. of the group. So that's why it's super frustrating. I mean, Paige is a fucking bitch. <laughs> Yeah, but all she does is film anything. Ugh, like, she is the c word was made for her yeah, doing that. Um, My God, I just I really wanted one of those fucking kids to die, and it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Um, a couple of things that I noted here, as I love that um, Kylie Minogue has GPS. I know, I know. <laughs> I thought I know. that that was funny. Um, 
I'm sorry. I don't care what kind of car you have. That's not how you drive through the woods. Uh, (laughs) Clearly. Okay. So they are going to a bill. So the premise of the movie is that this guy wants to go back to the spot that he's known about for a long time. Um, It's a, it's a filled in quarry. Correct. Yeah. Oh, uh, it's filled in with water, and they're going to start building a establishment, a, su- around a subdivision, it, basically around it. Yeah. So he wants to go back. Executive homes. He wants to go back one more time and take Jenny there to propose to her. Yeah. Um, and uh, he wants to go back and enjoy it one more time before the building starts. So clearly, there's a road that goes back to this area yeah. because they have to build back there. But he, this motherfucker, just drives right through the woods like. In his yeah. in his Jeep Cherokee, I know. Or whatever. Um, and then I was like, "Well, when they when they end up hitting the when they end up crashing the car, I was like, this is why you don't w- drive in the woods like I mean, this.' Yeah, it was it was it's 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 it was I, reckless. I mean, I get it at that point in the movie because they're being pursued. Right. Like I, I understand, but like maybe you should have just stuck to the road. I mean, but, yeah, like it's yeah, it, it's it's a lot. I'm gonna tell you one thing, I. This is uttered in this movie, and it is one of the phrases that makes me so mad. Vasist. Oh, that's just boys being boys. Oh, for sure. I hate that term so much. Being a boy does not forgive you being an asshole. Oh, for sure. So you can take that out of your vernacular right now. Without a doubt. Um, But when those boys are being boys and they're attacking that Indian kid. Oh, my God. Or probably Pakistani kid, given the nature of this movie. Um, you know, later on, the Pakistani kid tries to help. Well, no, no, no. Jenny thinks he is helping her. He tells on her. And yeah. he leads her to the kids again. Mm-hmm. And that kid gets burned alive. alive. Gets burned alive. And, that you know, that is part of the other problem with this. There are no pure villains. You know, this Brett kid is clearly an asshole, without a doubt. We see later on when he's with his dad that he gets hit. So clearly he's an abused child. Yeah. It is far-fetched to believe that there is just suddenly a child who is like, yeah, I'm going to burn somebody alive. I'm going to torture somebody to death. Yeah. And I'm going to run after and also find this. And by the way, I'm going to kill my friend. And I'm going to make people do shit and all this other. I mean, it's, it is so much that... It's a villain out of nowhere. It's a bit of like, it's a bit of God in the machine. And it doesn't, it does, that part doesn't hold up. And it goes to what was happening in Britain right then too. And around the world. If you think of when this got released, it's right when the recession happened. Mm -hmm. And so things were bad. And what was going on in Britain? There was so much conservative bullshit about people who were in the Midlands, people who were poor, being um, given given too much welfare, being this, being that, being this, being that. This is not a helpful movie that comes out and says, ah, yes, uh, all basically working class people are complete and utter thugs and they're terrible and they're going to kill you if you go to the Midlands. Yeah. And so, you know, don't get me wrong. Like I said before, I think this is a scary movie. Clearly, it is very effective because I feel very strongly about it and so do you. Yeah. But I really disagree with how I mean, it's it's like he could have made this movie with white people and black people, and black people were the thugs, mm. and white people were the ones getting terrorized. Like mm. that's almost what it feels like, but just from a class point of view. Okay, and I think that's I I don't know I I find that to be a little um, troubling, to be honest. 
I mean, I, I, I agree with you to a point um, because I think that there is kind of this, um, I mean, I, I know when I go back home and I'm not rich by any means, yeah. but because I come from quote unquote the city, yeah. I'm looked at as other, I'm looked at as yeah, sure. you're not one of us. Like, so I kind of get it. They obviously, because this is a movie and because it's a horror movie, they go to extreme lengths. Extremes. And I, I do think that this is one of those instances when it go when it finally goes too far there's no going back and i think that's yeah. like and when that kid encourages all those kids to um cuz eventually to cut him and eventually during this. the course of the movie they abduct michael fassbender's character yeah. they tie him up with barbed wire for god's sakes and the one main kid basically says each one of us is going to stab him so that we're all in this together and and page is going to film it yeah and so they all take turns stabbing him so that they're all now part of it. They're all they're now, all implicated. So they have to like go through with it. Um meanwhile they're trying to find out where the girl where the, the girlfriend is. Um it, it was really heartbreaking to see him almost propose like several times and it, this is a, this is a downer movie. It's a total downer because yeah. You want this couple or at least one of them to get away throughout the course of the movie the uh, Jenny is terrorized. She gets a stake through her foot, which I will give credit to the filmmakers there. Mm. She did it the right way. She pulled it through rather than pulling it out. So that's what you're supposed to do. Whenever you get like an arrow or anything like that, you're supposed to pull it through. <coughs> Fuck no, just kill me <laughs> when, it's a, when that happens. Um, I did find it. I did not remember. I've, I've only seen this movie probably one more time besides yeah. this. Um and I will say it wasn't my first choice for this um, episode because yep. I really, really wanted to do um, Campfire Tales. Yeah, Campfire Tales is impossible to find. It's literally you can get a DVD on Amazon for a hundred and twenty-five dollars. Yeah. Girl, yeah, until next month when suddenly it pops up on Shutter and I know. we'll be like, God damn it! Anyway, thankfully one of our listeners, Court, and one of our um, Twitter followers uh, did find a version for me to watch, but it was so hard to find that yeah, I, I just it. didn't work. Yeah. But um, so I'd only seen this movie once before but i remembered it i did not remember that that kid flashes his penis at her yeah like in actual like shows it yeah like that was surprising to me um there's there's just this is like a series of unfortunate events type of movie yeah and it eventually culminates with her getting away she's gets in the road and she's finally there's a car that picks her up and she's like finally i'm saved and who else could it be but one of the brothers of the girl she just or of the guy the boy the boy she just killed yeah (laughs) which that scene is very heartbreaking and then even when she escapes in that guy's truck she She steals a truck she finally gets civilization yeah she gets to an ax she gets into an accident and where does she end up in the fucking yard of the family of these people who are having a party (laughs) well they're not only a party they're having a foam party and a bouncy up (laughs) it's so it's so fucked up and you know i just i don't know i I see things through a class perspective and I thought it was really disappointing to see how this film, um, in the words of actually the daily telegraph, which I hate that paper, but whatever this ugly witless film expresses fear and loathing of ordinary English people. And I don't think that they're wrong. Left wing writer, Owen Jones, who's actually one of my political crushes. I absolutely love 
Owen Jones. Do you understand me? Sure. He's so cute. Um, in his book, Chavs, The Demonization of the Working Class, cites the film at length as an example of media demonization of proletarian youth via the Chav uh, stereotype. He comments, here was a film arguing that the middle classes could no longer live alongside the quasi-bestial lower orders. That's such an English line. <laughs> um, so I don't know. It's, it's, it's really mixed for me. Um, I'm, I, I literally never want to watch it again. Yeah, it's not an easy watch. It's yeah. not something that you go back to all the time. But um, I, I still like it um, for what it is. Uh, eventually, at the end of the movie, I think we're led to believe that she's just going to oh, get killed. Oh, she's dead. Yeah, she's she's dead. And they're going to cover Without it up doubt. and yeah. protect and quote unquote protect their own. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's and then that dumbass Brett is in the mirror with the. I want to kill glasses. him so bad. <laughs> I want to kill him. And so he's bad. not even cute. No, like he has this small, tiny little English mouth. It looks stupid. Yeah, he's very hard to understand. He's very he's very gross. Anyways, that's it. What do you give Eden Lake? I give it three. Wow, really? I give it three, without a doubt. I give it a five. I enjoy you know, this movie. You, you can't always be right, Andrew. So you <laughs> Neither know, can you. I, I disagree with you. But that's it. And sometimes we don't agree, folks. And I give it a three, give it a five. That's all we have for Eden Lake. We're going to come back in a moment. Wait, wait. Did I forget something? No, I'm just wondering if you know what we're going to do next. <laughs> oh, well, we're going on to listen to some really interesting hotline stuff yeah so we are going to come back and play your voicemails this is and something very some new questions. yeah so it's so the first get time ready ever. get ready get ready hey guys this is ken from rhode island checking in just want to tell you i love the show um i want to give a shout out to court psyops and vanessa mchenry for turning me on to your show when it started um yeah you guys cover a lot of uh Modern horror, which is great. Um, however, I'd like to suggest uh, an episode. I'd love it if you guys could look back at some of the classic Universal uh, monster movies and discuss the LGBT subtext, specifically Bride of Frankenstein and Dracula's Daughter. I think you guys could be at a gold mine out of those two. Um, that's about it. Uh, I'll do my best to get slayed every day. You guys stay safe. Keep up the good work. And um, I'll keep listening. Later. Bonjour mes amis Friday. Je veux vous dire combien j'aime votre émission. Continuez votre bien travail. Merci, bonne journée. Hi guys, this is Sven from Germany. I just finished your podcast on uh, the phobias and uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it and I'm also a big fan of uh, the descent. And uh, I started listening to you guys when you did that Mark Patton episode. I'm still waiting uh, for that movie to come out here in Germany. And, uh, yeah, the events and screenings and signings were canceled, obviously. So I'm looking forward to, to meeting Mark Patton and seeing that documentary. And uh, I was wondering if you are going to make an episode about... Uh, Dario Argento, our European master of horror. And yeah, just want to say hi. And um, I'm Sven.who on Instagram. And uh, yeah, talk to you later. Hi. <laughs> hi, how you doing there? Uh, Wayne here. Uh, I've been listening to the show for a couple of weeks now, or whatever, your show kind of comes out weirdly. Uh, but uh, I really like it. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a good time. You guys were talking about Unfriended in the last episode, and I think a better film would be Searching. 
which was during 2018. Uh, John Cho, is that so? Um, it's not particularly about, like, social media, but it is about kids dealing with shit online. Uh, it's kind of an interesting little film. Kind of take, and there's another one from Nacho Vigalando uh, called Open Windows, which is a kind of the first film that came out before Unsigned and all this shit that's about um, dealing with the Internet and craziness. And Vigalando's films are pretty fucking nuts. Anyway, uh, I hope you guys are fine. I really do like this show. You know, if you do know who I am, uh, I'm not a big fan of, like, horror shows that aren't really horror, but your guys, like, kind of put a whole cool, interesting perspective on it. Not just a gay perspective, but actually kind of talk about other things besides just horror movies, which a lot of fucking podcasts who have two men as their main hosts talk about only fucking podcasts and their dicks. And you guys don't do that, which is nice. Uh, I mean, I mean, we would all, probably all of us would love a nice three-hour episode about you guys talking about your dicks, but we're never going to get that. Who knows? Maybe an April Fool show. Anyway, uh, yeah, keep doing it. Um, don't let the people who don't like you say anything bad. And, uh, yeah. All right. Goodbye. Bye. Hello, Andrew and Maddie. This is Doug, otherwise known as Dougie Style on social media. Just calm to let you know that I love your show. I'm so glad that my friend recommended it to me last year. I've been a fan ever since. I'm a huge horror fan, and I feel like I've also become a little bit more politicized in the last couple years thanks to a certain election in 2016, but also um, a recent discovery of Queer Pop, which I'm sure you know my obsession with that uh, is well documented on both my blog and and on social media, but I just wanted to call with a message, say that I love your show. I can't wait. You know, when you put out new episodes, I listen to it, you know, pretty shortly after you guys put it out. I look forward to more episodes. I think what you guys are doing is great, as well as fresh and original. Um, and I love that everything is through a queer lens because everything should just is made better by being queer. So also shout out to our Sarah Michelle Gallery love because she's my girl too. And hopefully we'll get to talk about more Sarah Michelle Gellar projects on the podcast in the future, like maybe the grudge or screen too. So have a great day. Stay safe during this quarantine and remember to get slayed. You guys are absolutely hilarious. My name is doc. I caught episode 36 because of a Twitter feed. I don't normally listen to crime stuff, but you guys kind of run around all over the place doing movies, film, all that other stuff. Uh, you got a new fan. I absolutely love this show. Get slayed. Maddie, Andrew, thanks so much to you and your crew. I appreciate you all. I found you guys, like, I think episode 15. But I've been listening consecutively, especially when I cook or drive. And y'all are just such a light in these great times, and I appreciate you. Um, I'm at Star on YouTube, and I just love y'all, and I hope you're staying safe and being well. And I'm, of course, wearing my mask and watching my Hellraiser and Vincent Price, and y'all stay awesome and safe, bitches. I love y'all. Bye. Hi. Uh, I am Carla Casey. I identify as non-binary, use they them pronouns. And I'm a queer person and a lifelong horror fan. Uh, I know that you two have done a lot of work with Nightmare on Elm Street 2, which is like the quintessential queer slasher, but I have a hot take for the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Nightmare on Elm Street 4? 
Dream Master is sapphic. You can't tell me that every single woman on that set was not queer. The leather jackets, the absorbing your friend's personality traits. I'm a little biased because I've been obsessed with Alice my entire life, but, like, Sheila's death pretty literally does the, like, licking between the V knife gloves. Just saying. Just saying, you know? Thanks for listening. Bye. Wasn't that awesome? Um, I love all of our listeners, and I am still chuffed every time I find out that literally anyone listens to, this. <laughs> listens to what we do. And um, yeah, it, that was great. I loved every single one of those. Um, Wasn't it interesting yeah. that um, the the geographic reach yeah. of our hotline yeah we got everywhere from ken in rhode island to sven in germany yeah to uh our friend casey in montreal yeah so it was a lot of it, i was just surprised um you know we we put it out there that we have the hotline but i never expect anyone to call it you, you know what i really love is that people have taken taken our show um they've made it a community for themselves yeah. we didn't do that you guys did that We've we've you've taken get slayed to mean something in in your lives, right? Um, that sort of reminds me of like other sort of taglines that other podcasts have, and I think that's really cool. Yeah. Like, you know, what does it mean to get slayed for you? What does it mean to get slayed for me? And how do we all do that together? And right. what does that look like in community? And to me, it looks like a bunch of very different people in our little weird rainbow family of horror yeah. that like likes to interact with the world through that lens and like wants to change shit and get involved and not to sit around and say nothing. I think that's just really fucking cool. Yeah. A couple of things I wanted to um, say about yeah. uh, to answer in the voicemails, um, the uh, Ken in Rhode Island, um, he brought up the classic universal movies. Yeah, I think that I that's think it's a great idea. Yeah. It's a really good idea. I think we probably will tackle that at some point. Um, Cause also I really love watching those too. Yeah. I, and it's honestly kind of a dark spot for me. I've yeah. seen, you know, like the main ones, sure. but the ones, that he mentioned i have i have not seen yeah i, I think we're you're gonna see those ken for yeah. sure um sven over in germany who is awesome and bought one of our suka deke t-shirts sven, you fucking rock dude um i don't so, know how, i don't know how to say that in german but if i <laughs> if i could i would say it he suggested maybe doing a dario argento episode yep. i think that we could definitely do that yep guess which one we're gonna talk about in there what probably suspiria i'm just saying oh I guess. Oh, sh- come there's on. So many, there's so many more. No, it's true. But I mean, yeah, Dario Argento, that has to be an episode. Uh, Wayne suggested for social media maybe doing searching or open windows. Wayne, you're a character, dude. <laughs> yeah, we, sure. we love you, man. Um, searching, I have seen. Um, I don't really think it's... I've like, seen Searching, too. I don't think it's a horror movie, necessarily. Yeah, we'll, but, but we'll look into good. it. I think yeah. it's a good suggestion. And then open windows... If it's the one I think it is, I have seen it. The one with Frodo. Yeah. Um, oh, um, Frodo. I'm not getting of his name. Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood. <laughs> if it's that open windows, I, I've seen it. If it's a different movie, I have not. Okay. Um, Dougie Styles. Dougie. We love you. Um, God, we just love you so much, Dougie. You've always been such a shining light in our fandom. Yeah. And we really, really, really appreciate it. And listen, everyone out there, if you don't know about Dougie's blog, just look up Dougie Style. Mm-hmm. D-O-U-G-Y Style. All one word. You will find all of his stuff about queer pop it's awesome yeah he's been doing a lot of interviews uh with queer pop stars on on instagram live it's really really cool check it out um 
uh, I, I forget. Doc. I forget if it was. Oh yeah, Doc. Um, thank you so much for calling in. Thank you so much for becoming a new yeah. fan. And thanks for hopping in at episode thirty six. Yes. Like that's that's awesome. We're so glad we have you. Like keep on with the journey. Our friend on Twitter, Sensstar, um, thank you for wearing your mask. We love you, Sensstar. We really um, do. And I think that we do owe you maybe a Vincent Price or Hellraiser Hello. movie in one of our this um, is Vincent Price one of our episodes. So yeah, I agree we'll have with to that. Figure that out. Um, and then finally, our last caller talking about how how um, Nightmare on Elm Street Four was uh, really sapphic, like really queer. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it, but when, I hadn't either, to be honest. But when you said it, I started thinking about it, yeah. and you said that you know absorbing the personalities and the and stuff i'm like yeah that does make a lot of sense i think when we think about queer horror we don't necessarily think about um the lesbian side of things as much just because you are absolutely right because we're two gay men so we don't really pick up on that as much but i can totally see it i'm gonna do it um and i forgot their name um i forgot your name right now i'm sorry because i'm because i listen i got really drunk last night (laughs) if if i'm being honest with you but you should write a paper on that And, and i'm really not joking like write something about that and we'll help you get it out there yeah for sure but yeah, uh, is there anything that you wanted to comment on? No, I just want you know. I, I think you had, like literally. I'm looking at my notes. We like Have thought, thought about the yeah. same thing basically. Um, just saying thank you again. It's episode forty. We are at. Um, we're past two years now of doing this podcast. We have um, a lot of listeners. A lot. We actually just did some demographics on our listenership. And when I was looking through the numbers, I couldn't believe our average weekly listens. I couldn't believe how many people, unique people, have listened to us in total. Um, it's crazy. It's crazy. Now, what I want you to do with that information is I want you to leave us a review. Yes. <laughs> so get your ass over to fucking Apple Podcasts. <laughs> Even if you don't use Apple, just leave a review there, please. Because it honestly does help other people find it. And also tell a friend. Yeah, phone a friend, baby. (laughs) Also, some other things to mention here, too, as we close our show out. I mentioned Patreon earlier. I wasn't joking. If you can go to patreon.com slash frygay13, you can support our show for as little as $1 a month. Mm -hmm. That's 12 bucks a year. And like literally, we said it before, but it all goes into the show. We don't drink on this money. Like It helps us improve our microphones. It helps us rent movies, which trust me, that adds up after a while. So you are literally just helping us do a better show. We never put any of our content behind a paywall, and we never will. Yeah. So that that's Patreon. Yeah. Uh, we want to thank Legion Podcast for thank being you. our overlords. Um, we're still accepting hotline messages. We probably just won't play them for a Give while. Give out that number. So the number for the hotline is 872-208-3119. So uh, you can call that at any time. Give them that number once again. 372-8-7-2-0-8-3-1-1-9. I always see them because it is linked to our Comcast account, and it comes across our screen when you're calling. So I like to see that screen. And also, of course, on social media, you know how to follow us. On Instagram and Twitter, we are at Frygay13. That's at Frygay13. Look us, up, look us up online at our website, www.frygay13.com. Search for us on evil Facebook. And really, oh, the only thing I can really think of right now that I want to tell everybody is just to go out and get, get slayed.
The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Earn great pay with outstanding federal benefits and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. Learn more online at cbp.gov careers usbp.